Pod Pals, and welcome to another episode of Best Girl Grip, the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. I am your host, Nicole Davis. I'm currently sitting underneath a very heavy blanket trying to recreate that crisp studio sound, uh, but actually the darkness and warmth is making me want to take a nap. So if I'm sounding sleepy, uh, that's why. Today's episode is exciting. I mean, I, I know I always say that, um, and I genuinely am always quite elated with the guests that agree to come on. But today's, you know, it's, it's slightly different um, in that I have another duo. So you may have listened to an episode a while back with producing partners Kira Barry and Rosie Creer. Um, I think that was actually the first episode episode um the first interview I did in lockdown and you know I was wondering actually the other day whether I've recorded whether I've now recorded more episodes in lockdown than I have in person which is maybe slightly slightly depressing thought I think I need to go back and um, do the maths on that one yeah anyway back to back to topic back to the excitement yeah no it was great to obviously probe that sort of professional dynamic with Rosie and Kira um and you know hear from them both at the same time so um I figured I'd, I'd do another one and you know that's what we've got lined up today I spoke to Grace Bridger and Rani Raro Mapfumo who are a producer director duo that work together under the banner Desi Mac and they've made a number of short films through that company they have their own career separately and we, we talk about both of them but that producer director relationship is just such a unique thing so I was really keen to kind of ask them about how they form that bond and what that's been like their short film masterpiece premiered at the BFI London Film Festival in 2017 and was selected as a Vimeo staff pick Grace then went on to develop and produce Dawn in the Dark, uh, written and directed by Raniuraro, which was supported by BBC Films and BFI Network, and then premiered at the BFI London Film Festival in 2019, and has also been selected for festivals such as Encounters, Underwire, and the Norwich Film Festival. Grace then produced Raniuraro's BBC and Google Arts Commission short, Sensational Simi, which was released and broadcast on BBC and BBC iPlayer, and then Grace developed and secured funding from Uncertain Kingdom for Raniuraro documentary What's in a Name, which was released as part of an anthology of films aiming to provide a portrait of contemporary UK. Grace is originally from Perth in Australia and has most recently worked on a number of films with producer Tracy O'Riordan at Moonspun Films as a production secretary on Clio Barnard's Ali and Ava and then as a producer's assistant and assistant producer working in post-production on Hong Kao's Monsoon. Um, as well as continuing to work with Rani Raro, Grace is also currently working with producer Fiona Lamptey as a post-production supervisor on four sci-fi short films supported by Film 4. Meanwhile, Rani Raro is currently developing her debut feature film and has recently finished directing Block 2 of Netflix's Sex Education uh, Season 3. We talk about their respective career paths, um, you know, setting up their own production company, the learning curves along the way and how they've supported each other. We, we also chat about, you know, making shorts, uh, transitioning into bigger projects, making career pivots and asking stupid questions none of which you'll find here obviously um anyway this is uh, episode 77 of best girl grip so yeah i guess where i'd like to begin is with your separate paths to filmmaking and where your interest in working in the film industry began like do you remember having an aha moment where you're like that's what I want to do with my life <laughs> I think I've well I've always loved film really and I've got a twin sister and we spend a lot of our time just entertaining ourselves watching movies and watching my mum's video collection most of the time but didn't really know anything about the film industry or that there was one or how 
our favorite shows or anything were made and then just growing up and kind of like expanding on our interests and stuff I found myself at drama school which I realized I don't actually like acting but I still really loved films and tv and so managed to get onto some sets and then realized and there was one particular time where I was on set and saw a director working didn't really know what the job necessarily was but I think his way of working really kind of interested me and so I started asking around and just finding out what everybody does and that was for me like a moment that I can definitely pinpoint and say that I felt like I that's something that I really want to try and do and especially because like that kind of set had huge you know VFX and green screens and like you know tennis balls like going to become something else and so I think what seeing that process and then trying to kind of and then eventually watching the film and seeing how that's come out was really something that I wanted to be a part of. It's funny with acting it's kind of like the most visible part of the filmmaking process and so people often find their way into other roles kind of through that you know by doing the thing that they see and then realizing that that actually there's so much more going on behind the scenes. Oh yeah for sure I was like you know standing in front of the camera and like wanting to be behind it which probably wasn't the best feeling in the world but I just like I think you if you love it you know and I think as soon as I kind of even just on a runner level was just really excited to be a part of a crew and part of that team where you get to like yeah be a part of making something that hopefully everyone's really excited about. And how about for you Grace? I guess my aha was very gradual because I didn't even think that was possible for me to work in it more just because of where I'm from Perth is you know it's we don't really have much of a film industry I think obviously that's changed now but I think there was children's television getting made there a few times a year and maybe one feature that would come and shoot and use the kind of landscapes or something like that so just even though I which is weird because I studied film at, at, at uni but I never thought I was going to get a job from it. And and even I have to say, the lecturers never kind of made out you would get a job from it because they just, they pointed out to you there was very little industry. Mm. And so I guess then I just, my, probably my aha moment didn't come till I was like 27, 28 and, and working at the BFI and supporting young filmmakers and getting really jealous and being like, <laughs> hang on, I want to be one of those, well, young filmmakers getting stuck in and then, I guess that's where I started working with Raro. We met sort of doing those kind of events and then producing her shorts and going, hang on, I'm really enjoying this. It's really hard work, but it's something I feel I'm getting a lot back from. And even then I wasn't like, okay, I'm going to be able to have a career in this. And I think I'm really starting to believe that like the last couple of years, really being able to work within the industry and get paid Mm. is very exciting I have to say. Absolutely and we'll come on to talk more about kind of the genesis of your relationship and how that's developed over the last few years but I'm wondering kind of what you both consider to be your like first official jobs in the film industry. I was a VFX PA on uh, Gravity I'd say it was like my first proper job so like I guess like a runner in for that department and right. just I learned a lot and I was studying film and visual effects at uni and just always felt like the kind of films that I might want to do might have like fantastical elements or things of that incorporate the effects so knew that it might be just like a very slow 
progress towards directing those kinds of things so mm. just wanted to learn from that side of things as well I think definitely being on sets where you've got directors who don't necessarily have a great knowledge of what can be achieved I just wanted to get a bit more of an understanding of what that looks like so that was a really great place for me to start in that department and then and then I went and worked at I realized that the freelance life is very <laughs> difficult for a student so it's like an MPC which is in Soho as a runner for about for nearly a year and that was between my second and third year of uni decided to take a gap year and yeah and just and find some other work in the industry and that yeah that that again was really great because I think having never had a foot in even doing running jobs I think mm. was really exciting opportunity for me just to be in that environment and like really clever as well that you kind of had the specificity to know the types of films that you might want to go on and make and to sort of like I guess narrow down like because running obviously can be applied to like so many different areas of the film industry but to kind of know that maybe you might need that knowledge and visual effects was kind of clever were you thinking about that at the time or was that sort of you know it, it was good yeah, in I, <laughs> no I definitely was but I think the funny thing is that it's changed so much over the years mm. and even like that's why I'd gone and studied um rather than just doing a uh, film course which was practical course and I again like even during my uh, the process of applying for uni I had no idea that you could actually go off and do a practical course in filmmaking I just thought it was film theory and that was it so when I found a university where they were doing like some practical filmmaking and then some visual effects elements as well I thought that would be like a great place to start but you know time moves on and a lot of the things that we learn are fairly redundant now but I think just as a kind of like step in and start it was great and I and it was something that maybe set me apart from the other applicants for those particular jobs which is like I showed an interest in that particular area so I was able to get my foot in the door for those VFX companies things don't always go to plan but I think that was definitely a good place for me to start Mm. And Grace, obviously we met at the BFI. Was that your first yes. job in the film industry or were you working other places before that? And how did you come to the BFI? Because, I mean, that's not to be sniffed at. So how did that come oh, for no, you? No, completely not to be sniffed at. Um, <laughs> I was basically working in a pub. And I moved to London, working in a pub, had no money, um, realised, you know, I was on like, you know, I basically paid my rent. I'm being at the bank, paying my rent and having 20 quid to my name. And even the teller was like, God, what, how are you going to live on that? And I was like, I don't know. And so I realized I could keep working, you know, I'd always worked hospitality and realized I couldn't sort of afford to um, pay rent and and work at this particular pub. Anyway, so someone there um, got a temp job through an agency at the BFI and I was like, the British Film Institute. Oh my God, maybe if I go through this temping agency, I can try and get a job there. And I think I did one job as a receptionist for a charity and then someone pulled out of a job at the BFI as an assistant to director of digital and director of finance and they put me in which I was like I was I mean I thought I just made it there I was like this is, this is why you moved to London like this is incredible and it, and, it, and it was and it was it, you know you are you know an assistant to obviously you're not in the film fund and I wasn't in the filmmaking sense of the part of the BFI but I learned, I know, I, I got to know everyone across the departments and you also, it's such a big organisation, which, you know, is important to understand the different departments, the way they work together, 
the way you know the breadth of what the BFI does is huge it's not just making films it's you know archive restorative programming you know anyway obviously I love the BFI I sort of dug my heels in there because I knew you know it was an opportunity it was only a temping four-month job but I knew they were going to hire that job and I was like I am not leaving and so I really just went above and beyond how much as much as I could in that in that role got the job as the you know full-time as the assistant to the two directors and then the job came up for the BFI Film Academy which it sort of sparked my interest because that was really interesting to me that you would be supporting young filmmakers mm. and you know my skill set at that time was administration because I've been working as an assistant mm. so that was transferable but you'd just be at, like assisting uh, came as a coordinator a whole sort of UK-wide program so jumped across to there and then you know again got really passionate about that that I wouldn't shut up about the film academy um, wherever I could and then progressed on to the project manager there which again it's you, you do work with different, you know, colleagues of the film fund and you get to know more about film and I definitely got more and more passionate about UK film and I just felt part of it as well and I felt part of young filmmakers' journeys and had, able to give them opportunities. But again, like I said, I started to get a bit jealous being like, oh, hang on, maybe maybe I want to be that filmmaker and well, I have all these sort of managerial skills, administration skills that feels for me like producing, which I never thought I wanted to do at university. Mm. And as your flatmate at the time, he uses like a film director and we just kind of bung a, a short film together and, and I produced it and kind of made it up as I went. And it was such a good learning experience because there was no, nothing to lose really. We were just really getting his mates together and making a short over I think two, two to three days, you know, being trying to pull all your resources and make a short film for nothing and I think mm-hmm. that really made me feel hang on this is something I can do um, and the skills I have in my day job can be transferred in, into producing or into production so that's kind of where I was like okay I can do this this I, this is really mm-hmm. something I want to do I want to produce. And let's go to the moment that you guys kind of first met were you kind of looking for a, a director to work with and then a producer to work with like vis-a-vis each other or you know talk to me about that moment that you met and decided that working together would be a good fit for you both. Right, I think you, well, we, we'd sort of seen each other at a few events, like BFI events that I'd sort of be involved with or just attend. And so we sort of knew each other probably over six months, we'd bumped into each other. And then we ended up, I think, having a glass of wine after one of them and just chatting yeah. about what we were doing. And I mentioned that I produced a short. And so when you were, I was like, hang on, <laughs> I've got this short I need a producer for. I mean, and I was like, hang on, that could be perfect. I mean, that's how I remember it, Rara. I don't know if you remember. No, it was pretty much like that where I, I'd been looking for a producer for a while. And, mm-hmm. and then Grace mentioned that she produces and we'd got on um, each time that we met and it was just like it was such a light bulb moment for me at least and Mm. I think as soon as I you know sent over I'd done a couple of documents things like that and then as soon as I sent over those those kind of documents and stuff over to Grace she's really proactive really like excited and engaged and I think that was like a really exciting energy for for me at least because I think a lot of the people that I'd been talking to had maybe been doing shorts for too long or just maybe weren't necessarily understanding the kind of work that I wanted to make and so I think that was a really the combination of like finding someone you get on with who is really proactive and then also kind of understands the work you want to make is mm. so rare and that was so that was like a that was such an easy like an easy choice for me easy fit 
can you tell me about the kind of work that you wanted to make, you know, and, and how you kind of honed that, how you honed your taste and started channeling that into kind of your own scripts and your own work? Um, well, it was just a combination of like what I would love to watch and my kind of world and my experiences and seeing that on screen and telling that from my point of view or from the point of view of people who are in my world and not necessarily from the same mm. kind of perspective or voices as, as what we've seen over the last however many years that films have been made. So I think, you know, telling a story with like, you know, say five black guys and it's not, you know, like a, it's not a knife crime story or it's not a, it's not a cautionary tale or it's just a comedy about five guys who just like you know want to support each other and there's some comedy in there and stuff I think it sounds really simple but I think sometimes at that point it was proving difficult for people to see why that should be a short mm-hmm. and I think just moving on from there there's just a uh, a range of other stories that I really wanted to tell with more women and people of colour and telling black stories as well, which I think is really important to me. And Grace is always just really effortlessly, I think, understood. I don't think I've ever really had to sit down and like explain why something is important to me as a storyteller and I think that's like a really key thing and what I look for when I'm collaborating with people Mm. and did you just start you were referencing there obviously masterpiece you know how easy was that to get made considering it was kind of like your first big short together if I'm not mistaken um yeah I mean I I guess I was lucky enough when Raro sent over like the documents and she sent sort of the script which was you know, I didn't feed into that. I'd always really ready to go. Mm. And she had already cast the actors and had a sort of great pitch document. So I was like, okay, she knows what she's doing. Like, this is going to be like, we can just jump straight in. And then obviously then you start the prep process. And also Rory was self-funding it. So there wasn't sort of, I guess, that, you know, but really important back and forth with exec, but we didn't have that at this stage. So it was just really about locations crewing up and and all of that and then yeah and then working with the cast um with rehearsals and I think we did some we all went to see a film to get bond them together a few oh. times because like they were supposed to be you know best lifelong friends on screen and I that was Raro's idea and I think you can really see it on screen it was such a good call because they are I think a lot of, they are still friends now I see yeah. like, <laughs> on social media that they're still mates so I think those little investments and her like calls as a director, even before we like stepped on to set were things that really gave me confidence in, in you know, her skill level and just her, the way she perceived things. And how soon into that partnership did you make it official with Desi Mac, which is your production outfit? Like, did that kind of happen afterwards or were you, was that from the get go? Yeah, so I I'd started it just not that long before we started working together. Mm-hmm. And then I think after this project, we just felt like we just wanted to keep working together especially on like short form stuff so yeah we just collabed from that point basically and kind of obviously with the company able to do like the logistical stuff and like financing and that kind of thing through that so I think Grace is better equipped to talk about that than I am to be honest oh yeah all, all, um, the, all the fun stuff yeah <laughs> but then yeah and then as we've kind of like being kept working together we've moved on to different projects and stuff and then I'm on a different project at the moment and Grace has got some really exciting stuff going on so I think we're definitely going to keep working together in that kind of like capacity but we're 
also have got some really kind of like exciting things that we've got on individually as well. And I'm wondering if having that kind of official outfit sort of grew both of your confidences, you know, that this was something that you could maybe do repeatedly. And, you know, it wasn't just a one off that you made this short together, but this was kind of a bit more of an institution in a way that you kind of keep returning to. Did did that kind of help make it official for you both? Oh, I like the I, I did. <laughs> this is great. Um, I, I think it, it definitely. You, I mean, you were both. Literally, I had to set up the company officially when we got funding for Dawn in the Dark. So we were then co-directors. So then you are essentially in business together, and so it does bind you. And I think it's really it's important if you're going to do it together that you're on the same page. And we, I mean, we were just talking nearly, you know, nearly every day coming up to a film and prepping, and we're on the same page and ran everything by each other. Um, and I think we tr- I think we trusted each other, and I think that's the most important thing because you're creative partners, but you're also, I guess, essentially business partners. I, I mean, I don't know where the money is for short films, but you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's you've it's it does it does bind you because you're then an entity, I guess, which is mm-hmm. quite quite nice. And maybe let's talk about Dawn in the Dark, which is kind of your latest um, project to have come out that you've produced um, and made together. Um, I saw it last year at the Underwire Film Festival, and I believe it's due out in 2021. And so, uh, Raniwari, can you tell me kind of where that idea came from, how you started to kind of develop that story? It it came from quite a personal place, I think, and just also wanting to kind of like explore grief and what that can do within like family dynamics and and looking at looking at it from a child's perspective as well it was it was a really important story for me to to kind of tell about the process of of going through a situation like that I think and again it's just looking at characters that you might see in other shows but from a completely different lens I think and getting to see people in their homes at night and it's quite an intensive uh, environment and situation uh, just brings out a completely different dynamic to what you're used to seeing of those characters and so for the character that Purcell played who um, is such a great actor I think his character could turn up in like a, a world of other shows I think and he wouldn't be necessarily the same character but something about him being opposite an eight-year-old girl who he's got got a very close relationship with I think that felt like a something that I really wanted to kind of explore. Grace did it did it feel like a new challenge for you kind of with casting an eight-year-old and you know just just a, a move forward from Masterpiece you know what was your first reaction to the script? I mean the reaction to the script was how personal it was because obviously I, you know, we and Renuara had been, you know, friends and, and collaborating for a couple of years at that point. So I knew where that sort of place, that where it was coming from. And it, again, I think the beauty of Rara's writing is it's so, it seems so simple on the page, mm. but the feeling it's giving you when you're reading it and the atmosphere she's creating in the world she's creating, I think that's what her really big skill is, the world Renuara creates. Um, and these and these two characters are existing within it. And I also thought it was just so you you know everyone's been in that in that space where someone's unwell and you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how to react. And I think everyone can relate to that. So yeah, I felt I, that's sort of I was quite moved by the um, the script. And obviously, it, then we went through the development process with BBC Films, Eva Yates, Eva Yates, and um, Matimba Kavalika from BFI Network. 
Um, and that was a re that's really important because, like you said, it was a step up from masterpiece in terms of that process because the exec were involved at every stage and feeding in their thoughts and sometimes pushing us in directions that we hadn't thought to go. And going through that process is really important, I think, as you move on in, in your career. But, I mean, yes, casting an eight-year-old, we had an amazing um, casting director who caught in contact with us, Hannah Williams, and she was brilliant and she basically I think we had about 30 girls was at Raro that came the yeah, first casting maybe, session. Maybe more for the first session and then it yeah reduced each time. Each time and then and then I think we had a final two and I think Liv, Livia Nelson who we cast she just she, we didn't feel like she was acting it was just she un, she she had the emotional maturity to understand what was going on without it sort of having to be on her face at every moment. I think, Rinura, you had Percy in mind from the start and you had started that relationship from early on. So it was really about matching someone, um, you know, finding our, our dawn to, to go with our Nate. And I think we came up with a really beautiful duo. And then thinking about the shoot, I mean, with short films particularly, it can often be a lot of development and prep time for a very kind of short, like, burst of filming time. And I'm wondering how you kind of um, mentally and also physically prepare for that, you know, as a producer and then as a director, you know, how are you gearing yourself up to kind of do what you've been preparing to do for such a long time? Um, yeah, I think we, I think March we were still having development, you know, we, that's where we really kicked off the script development mm -hmm. process. And then... I think then we didn't really start prepping the short till September. So it was a, a sort of a long back and forth. But that's because, you know, both of us are still working full-time jobs at the same time, you know, really intense ones. So it, it did, that did take that time and it needed that time as well. So and then I guess from September started sort of kicking into gear in terms of um, prep and pre-production. Um, and then it was kind of trying to find the right dates to shoot towards and we had a, a school child, so we didn't want to sort of, within our budget and within our sort of resources, didn't want to disrupt her school. So we decided um, to shoot January 2nd to like, we had four days to the sick, wow. which, you know, in hindsight, it's it, it's good. <laughs> good to have her. But she had a lot of time off and a lot of time off to sort of rest and recover mm. before and after. Um, but obviously everything shuts down, you know, <laughs> December 15th in terms of supplies. So it's difficult. But it was just sort of full steam ahead in December. You know, I think we took Christmas Day off and I was New Year's Eve, we were painting the, uh, the location and then New Year's Day back painting the location. But that's just what short filmmaking is, like all, hands, <laughs> all hands on deck. I mean, I think the biggest help and um, support person was Sherry Dub and was my production manager. She came on board and I've gone on to co-produce with her and she's produced her own stuff, but just having that person that is your, your like partner in production and is all hands on deck and understands that, you know, I might need you to, to send out all these contracts, but also might need you to, to paint quickly paint back this, this scene because we're going to shoot on it in a, you know, in a few hours. So I think that if, if you can um, be a jack of all trades on a short film, then it, it's just amazing. And sort of the, an attitude knowing that we're all in it together because it is such a short burst, you know, it's four day shoot that you've been prepping for months. But it is such an intense process, very enjoyable as well. But you know, it it is it is really um, intense. So you do need these people who stand stand side by side as you go through it. And Raro, what about for you? Like, do you feel the pressure to to suddenly kind of become the director, you know, on set, or or do you just kind of like glide into that quite naturally? 
I think with the sh- with shorts, it's always a lot of pressure because you know that you've only got that one day or those two days. Um, I think we really fortunately could um, extend it to four, but that was because of the shooting hours for our child actor. So it wasn't really, so it didn't, it's not really like we had four, four full shooting days. I think we were quite limited in what we could do in those days, but kind of knowing that there's no reshoots, what you get is what you take to the edit. That can be quite a lot of pressure, but that said, it's always just about being prepped and making sure that you and everyone around you has done the best that they can do to, you know, step into that day prepared. And I am not a person who likes to wing it. And so I like to make sure that I know what I'm doing on the day. And if that changes slightly, then that's completely fine. That's part of the process. But I always like to go in knowing that what I've got is achievable everyone's extending themselves as much as they can to make sure that we get to the final product basically and so sometimes if that means that you are you know producer or director and you're having to empty out bins or sort out flowers or you know drive people back and forth and you have to do it that's that's all there is to it so I think in that way as well it just kind of like brings you closer together as a team which is always quite nice when there's something that's quite intensive like that. Mm. And what does that prep look like for you? Is that about storyboarding, putting together shot lists, mood boards? You know, how are you tangibly like getting yourself ready? To begin with, I I mean, it's always looking at the script and visiting the script, revisiting it and kind of dissecting it each time. And like I've um, until recently, I've really only directed stuff that I've written. So that's always like quite an easy process for me because I know where all of the characters come from (laughs) from that point then it's also about just making sure that I know what I want the tone of the film to be and just whether that's and how I'm going to communicate that to every person whether that's Grace or cinematographer or production designer so I find it really helpful to put together like mood boards or pitch decks that just kind of give a more specific sense of what I want to achieve in the film and then usually what happens is I'll bring someone on and then they'll just add their expertise to it and make new suggestions that I hadn't thought of and and then that's the really fun part of collaborating but I usually go in with a shot list and yeah sometimes I think for my shorts I've always storyboarded but I think now I just know that shot list that you can just quite clearly talk to your cinematographer or your crew about is really important for me at least I think there's a lot of directors you can kind of just like stand on a set and make it up as they go along but yeah I've always liked to be quite prepped in that way absolutely and now that you the film is complete I mean do you look back on it like fondly you know did it do what you set out to do and how did it kind of prepare you for what you wanted to do next yeah, I think having like making a film is like having a baby. <laughs> I haven't had a baby. I haven't had a baby, but I'm fairly certain that's what it must be like. I think it's just all the challenges and all the difficulties that come through and all the kind of compromises you have to make, um, especially when you don't have money to throw away, you're forced to make really creative choices or creative compromises based on like your resources or lack of. So I think all of my short films, I really love and for such different reasons as well. And sometimes it's 
also the people that it's brought to me I think that's such a that's such a key thing and like Grace was saying Sherry is someone that I'd known for a really long time and we were good friends and I knew that she wanted to get into film but I think like having a professional like working relationship with her and kind of like it if you can always I always think if you can work with people who love their job and do it well but also people that you get on with then it's just like the the easiest thing and Grace what about for you yeah, I mean, it, it is a it's a complete whirlwind, and you get so your your complete tunnel vision when you're doing like in the last couple of weeks prep up to a short. I mean, that personally for me, really nothing else. Everything else becomes periphery. I mean, you you know, I still I was still going to to my day job, which you know was still within production, and then getting home and working till all hours to do that, getting up early during the short. Going, it was just like this cycle, and you you don't have time or emotional capability for anything else. So you you become a bit of a robot and and your your production team actually become your little like family and friend unit because they get what you're going through because you know people who who aren't doing that process around you just think you're a mad person. It's it bind, it binds you together because you know you can literally just call, you know, I call Sharon and be like, oh my God, this has happened and and we find a solution or, you know, it was a really a great partnership. Like I felt very confident in going back and forth with her and, and always having Renuaro on speed dial if I needed her um, and vice versa. So you, you always knew where each other were at um, leading up to the process. And, yes, I, I think the analogy of um, it is like having a child. Again, I haven't had a child. And I'm by no means comparing it to the pain of childbirth at all, but it's so intense and it can be really hard at the time. I mean, you're really stimulated. Like you, you're just like this, this is so it's exciting, but it's also like, just all encompassing of your life but you always look back on it and really like rose tinted glasses and you're like oh it was so great it was so lovely and you know I'm sure that there was some really intense emotional moments to it both good and bad so but you somehow just really see it as such an incredible learning experience and you're grateful to have also like been funded by like two brilliant financiers and working with these exec that you're just like, this This is such an incredible opportunity that you kind of grab it with both hands regardless of how difficult it is because it, it, it's a training ground essentially. So, and again, like Rara said, with, you know, the crew that you get to work with on it, you know, some of the HODs, post crew as well, you're like, cool, well, let's keep working with them because you get, you build these brilliant relationships of people at the same sort of career level who you can sort of go up with and work with together again. So, for that, for that reason, it, it's such a great process. And, and at the end of it, sitting in a cinema and getting to watch your film, you just you, you lose, you just don't think about any of the hard stuff. You're just like, oh, it's all worth it. It was brilliant. I love yeah. it. And then you do it again and, and you leave into another short and you completely forget how intensive it is. And I think that's, you, you need to forget, otherwise you'd never, you'd never do it again. Yeah. Well, that's like, that make it sound really awful. <laughs> no, but that's that's I, that's what mothers do with babies, right? You forget the pain of birth in order to have another child. Otherwise, like, why yeah. would you do that to yourself again? Like, you definitely have to forget the pain. I'm sure if and when we're mothers, we'll hate ourselves for this comparison. I know. <laughs> awful <laughs> like how naive we were and you both mentioned there that you were kind of doing full-time jobs you know on the side in and around this short filmmaking and I know that you both kind of had big 2020s and that you're both doing like really exciting things so I'd love to kind of break off and talk a little bit about that Grace you recently have worked with Tracy Arud and the you know the brilliant producer who's worked um, a lot with Clio Barnard and produced her films like 
the harbour, Dark River, the selfish giant. Um, I'm wondering, you know, how did that opportunity arise and, and why did you feel like, you know, it was it was the right time to to step into that world? I mean, yeah, I had, I was working at the BFI and I, and I genuinely loved my job, you know, working for the Film Academy, but having just done Masterpiece and we were on prep for Dawn in the Dark and I was like, you know, I think I was coming up to 30 and I was like, I need to make the jump now because I don't have a mortgage, I don't have kids, and I can afford to sort of take, I guess, a, st- a step down to get to get to get forward, you know. And I had I had nothing to lose, really. I thought at that time, and Emma, I was working with BBC Films for Dawn in the Dark, and Emma Kay, their production executive there, sort of spoken to me what, what my next steps were, and she knew that Tracy O'Riordan was looking for an assistant, so she put me forward. I interviewed for it, and like I just I didn't could get it but actually she she sort of noted masterpiece as like you know having produced a short film um and had sort of running Desimac Renuari as a sort of one of the things that made her sort of you know maybe successful for the role because she could see that I wanted to produce and I was already doing it on my own terms so yeah it was crazy I just I think I I was like a that was a whirlwind jumped into the role and so I was producer's assistant with Tracy um, at Moonspun Films, and when I came over, we were in post for Monsoon, and sort of very, very early script development for um, Ali and Ava, Clive Bernard's next film. Mm. So it was like I came in at the end of one film and the start of another. So it was just incredible because you know shorts are brilliant, but nothing can kind of prepare you for the breadth of knowledge you have to 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 know across the feature. There's just so many steps along the way and a producer has to kind of be across every single one of them and so it was very overwhelming but also incredible that I was sort of you know it was literally me and Tracy so I was able to be in the room in in certain conversations and I think you don't know what you don't know right so there's so many bits of feature filmmaking that I would have known wouldn't have known existed so I think I was just it was a huge opportunity that she you know obviously you're doing all the admin but I always think that doing admin and assisting is such an amazing tool to get all the kind of little knowledge and nuance bits of being doing the role you eventually want to do so now assistant producer at Moonspun Films and she took me on as production secretary on Ali and Ava and that again was just another huge learning experience and do you think already it's kind of made you a better producer? Do you kind of feel that confidence or just that knowledge having grown from that experience? A hundred percent, yeah. Because I think there's so I mean, there's so many different ways you can come in as a producer, really. Like a lot of producers will do shorts and maybe work in-house and then sort of go on to do their first feature. And then there'll be a lot of producers that come up from production doing like running, coordinating production manager, line producer. But I think me getting that that really practical experience and knowing how a feature film ticks on the ground, as Tracy puts it, at the coalface. You know, you get to know all the crew, all the cast, you get to understand how the different departments work and also how the different departments communicate together and what information should be shared, what shouldn't, you know, you're really a conduit to the whole production. So uh, that was just invaluable, really hard work, but just so rewarding. And Rani Rara, I know you're now directing full time and I'm wondering if you could talk about that transition from directing shorts to kind of getting an agent and to start earning a living from doing it. How did that happen for you? I think it always, with things like this, it always sounds so like neat and straightforward, but it definitely isn't. But the neat and straightforward version is, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, after doing my shorts, 
I'd been meeting some agents for a while. And just, I think for me, the thing that I felt was really important is finding somebody similar to that kind of moment that I had with Grace is somebody who understands the kind of work that I want to be making and is really proactive, has a great energy. And it just finding that very effortless connection is something that is very difficult to do and especially on a like a first time meeting with someone so I'd been yeah meeting a few people and a few people that I really like to be honest with you but I just wasn't really sure about working with them long term and then eventually met my agent now and yeah I think it was just really it was a great meeting and we just got on and I think the fact that I wasn't really in too much of a rush to get signed. I just knew that I could keep making shorts and keep kind of like kind of growing as a director through short films, however long that was going to take. So it all happened a lot sooner than maybe I'd initially thought. And yeah, I guess it was, it was quite, I mean, I've been doing this for a while and I think my first job in the industry was maybe like 11 years ago or something like 10 years ago. So it definitely hasn't been like a quick process, but then it just was about getting into rooms and just talking to different production companies. And I, but even before I had representation, I was doing general meetings and meeting different execs in production companies and stuff. So yeah, I was quite used to, and also I think working in production and just working on sets and things like that, you just quite, you get used to being in that sort of environment of having to share ideas or meet people for the first time a lot so so yeah I guess it kind of brought me into the room with the the people that I'm working with now which is great. And was TV completely new to you you know was that a completely new world or had you had experience working in TV before directing? Yes I'd worked in TV but obviously in different roles so across departments or in a like you know as an extra pair of hands and I'd also done some assisting work for a director as well so I kind of had a good sense of at least like from maybe slightly lower budget stuff to more high end what that looks like but I think directing and producing and most things in the industry you just have to do it you can be in the job beside it you can read up about it you can listen to podcasts and watch films and do research but there's nothing quite like actually going and doing a job and I think that's sort of what Grace means when she says not asking for permission it's just trying to do it by any means necessary even if you are not necessarily sure you can get that film made just write it anyway like you never know and then it's just for me filmmaking has always been about like the incremental steps and not looking at the wider picture but just make it I think the the thing one of the things that I learned from working with a lot of really established directors is that the job is small decisions it's daily decisions and sometimes it's quick and decisions with huge consequences but that's the kind of the accumulation of those choices creates the work that everyone sees at the end so I'd spoken to a few other filmmakers who are really generous with their time who went from shorts to doing a tv series as well and they basically were saying you know it's not a million miles away from doing a short to be honest with you the job is exactly the same and I think I have now that I've been doing it I have to agree it's really you you kind of have to ignore the larger picture and just focus on the not just even the daily tasks but the minute to minute 
tasks. Totally. That just reminds me, actually, I just watched a um, a basketball drama with Ben Affleck called The Way Back. I don't know if either of you have seen it. <laughs> he, he brings up exactly that point. So he's this like new coach to this not very good basketball team. And his like theory is that if you, you get the small things right and like you learn how to do all the, all the small things that make up a team as opposed to just focus on scoring, you know, that is going to accumulate into points. It resonated with what you just said. And I'm also wondering, you, you mentioned obviously Sherry and each other. And I'm wondering if you guys have any other kind of mentors, whether they're people that you consider to be peers or people that kind of above you in their careers that you kind of have have learned from and that you feel like you can sort of rely on or go to for support? Um, I mean, completely. I mean, especially as as a producer, I think because you work in such sort of, uh, you'll work alone a lot of the time in silos that making sure that you're in constant contact whether it's emotional support or just like advice being like do you have a good risk assessment template like people like Katie Sinclair who I met she was assisting at BBC when we were doing Dawn in the Dark and then she's gone on to produce and now it's at Blueprint as an, um, an exec so and we're in text conversation Nelly you know every week talking about where we're at with our careers and and it's so important to have that back and forth because otherwise sometimes you don't know if you're doing the right thing or you're navigating a situation correctly um, and another I think a really good point is to have someone who's just that step up above you as well so I met Michelle Antonides she's a film producer I think Baby Gravy was at the film festival at the same time and she's just done her first feature Sweetheart and she was so generous with me she took me sort of through the process like I mean I went over to her house and she taught me how to write a risk assessment and you know and and you know just teach me those really practical things that Mm. if you haven't done it before it just seems like a jungle, like you just have no idea. So having someone who's just that head of that bit ahead of you, who's just gone through the process, I think is is just as important as your kind of top tier, you know, people who are really established mentors. And of course, Tracy has been, you know, incredibly generous with her advice and taking me through the process and helping me throughout the short. And I think in working in Ali and Ava, the co-producer, I mean, I have Alan, she, I mean, we work together every day so I'm just getting advice by working from her you know getting her seeing the processes that they do I think Mm -hmm. as well but definitely your peer level peer level crew to bounce things off is just so important or just go and have a drink with at the pub I mean I know we can't do that right now but just I think we I've got a whatsapp group me Sherry and Katie and it's and it's the producers therapy group and it's just and and it sounds dramatic but it's just to kind of like literally like oh do you guys know a good sound designer or can you guys send me that that template I'm having a hard time on on this short it's just something constant checking in and I think Mm. that's so important if you're working on your own as your as your job a lot of the time yeah definitely Rory do you have a version of that for director's therapy (laughs) I think there's a lot of directors who whose work that I love, who I've been really fortunate that I can like connect with as well. And especially kind of uh, there's a few decisions that I had to make this year, which work wise, I it was just really great to have people who've been through that experience before who could give some advice. And like I said, there's like a handful of directors who've gone through almost exactly the same steps that I have, who spent literally hours on the phone with me um, to talk me through their process and their experience. And it like, it was so valuable for me to have those conversations. And I think also it can really easily feel like you're the only person who's having particular barriers or problems 
when it comes to work and so to have that have to have those conversations with other filmmakers I think is really really encouraging and really like healthy if you find people who are able to kind of give you that additional support and then I think also just like a regular support system like Grace said like I really get on well with my agent and he's great and he's really funny it's not always just business chat it's kind of like we can have a laugh too and and it's sort of that way with a lot of the people that I've that I've been really fortunate to work with is that you you kind of start off on a maybe like slightly more formal um, relationship and then that develops into something else so you're able to ask questions if I've got a question for Grace or for Sherry or um, other people that I've worked with it's really nice to be able to kind of like reach out to people and see and, and just get their input even if it's uh, outside of their departments just to get their creative opinion as well. Yeah, definitely. Sort of coming to the end, I'm wondering if you can distill a learning curve, you know, that you've you've had throughout your career that you kind of consider to be the biggest thing that you've learned thus far. I think for me, it's just always been uh, just keeping what I want to do at the f- forefront and just making sure that the things that I do, I do them with intention and purpose. And I think that there's no, for me, in my process of getting to be a director there's never been something that's you know that everything is a stepping stone but just trying to really be mindful and in the moment of each of those things so I can't tell you how excited I was when I was a runner like it was just like the most like when I got that job to say that I've got a permanent position in a company to be a runner I was like the same level of excitement as I've got in some other work you know jobs that are in a much higher position so I think in terms of what I've learned is always just like keep moving forward and it's something that I've said a lot but I think you can spend a lot of time celebrating something or spend a lot of time dwelling on disappointment but I think if you just kind of like just take that time to like be excited about something that you've achieved or take that time to feel disappointed about something that didn't happen for you and then just keep moving along I think that's always for me the best advice for myself and for other people and Grace I think definitely the biggest learning curve is don't be scared to ask questions and make yourself look like you don't I think in the industry we're really scared put ourselves out there and say I don't know this can I have advice with this or help because you just think as soon as you start you're supposed to know everything and every little intricate bit about filmmaking and you just can't you learn it as you go and I think that's so important to keep in mind that you can ask questions that make you look stupid and if you're scared to do that with someone you know who is higher up than you or your boss find someone like your peer or someone above that you can have those really those those back and forth quickly just ask them like oh what what is a lot or something like like you know like just really things that you think you should know and Mm. then you find out sometimes that they don't know either so I think instead of like second guessing yourself just put yourself out there and if you're you you don't want to do it to someone higher up find someone um you can just ask the question with and yeah don't be afraid to ask questions with other crew that you meet get to know each little process it's okay it's okay not to look like you know everything and I always think if you ask something with conviction or like you don't frame something as a stupid question 
like people don't even have that consideration like it, it comes internally from you thinking oh I'm gonna sound or look yeah. stupid by asking it but actually once you put it out there most people are quite happy to answer it and it's like oh that wasn't so hard after all <laughs> I think people actually are really generous with information in, in the industry because everyone knows how hard everyone's worked <laughs> to get into the industry so I mean I I'm more than happy to get when people are doing shorts to just give any advice I can or like any contacts or because I know how hard it can be at that stage. So um, I think, and I've found that everyone has just been so generous with giving me advice. So I, I always want to try and give that back. And then finally, I'm wondering if there's a film that by a woman director that you consider to be something of a hidden gem that you'd like to recommend today. Rara, I know you like this one, but um, I watched it yesterday in The Cut by Jane Campion, which is like <laughs> prime Mark Ruffalo, like prime. I mean... I mean <laughs> Sorry, I mean, really brilliant feminist uh, crime thriller. No, sorry. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> it can be both. It can be both. Death, I just think, um, in the. I mean, I think I saw it back at uni and I've just sort of watched it again. But it's so of its time. It's so, like, naughtiest film. Mm. Um, and Meg Ryan is such a, like, sidestep for what you, you what you know her as. Yeah. I just think that's so interesting. And I also, also watching an erotic thriller, which, which it is, and now with the lens of 2020 and seeing how she shot those like intimate scenes mm. and seeing it through a female lens, you're just like, oh, it's so respectful and it's but sexy at the same time. And obviously just Jane Campion. I think she was the first female director I was ever aware of mm. with the piano. And I didn't know women could be directors, you know, when I was, I don't know, I guess 10. My mum showed me that film, which seems a bit risque to show a 10-year-old now, but... <laughs> Uh, you know that's that's probably my pick because I, I love a good sort of crime thriller and then mm. directed by Jane Campion is is um a bonus and Rara what about for you um I'm just going to list as some directors <laughs> and just check out all of their work obviously Ava DuVernay is great I love Lynn Ramsey Andrea um Andrea Arnold obviously a lot I'm so excited to see more from Lulu Wang yeah. uh and other directors who I've de- I've spoken with who I think are really great, like um, Kate Heron and Alice C. Bright, Sophie Goodhart, and I love Dee Reese. So I've been watching some of her older work mm-hmm. as well, really great. And Myra Neer as well. I was have been getting some of her work as references for some for some things that I'm doing, and so yeah, I think that there's so many great established women directors and so many more up-and-coming directors who are just yeah I think there's a lot of kind of first-time feature filmmakers who are women from this year and last year who are just super exciting so yeah I couldn't pick just one. What I love about like revisiting established directors is that you kind of realize that because the media can make it seem like you sort of you live or die by like this one film that you maybe put out and 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 discovering kind of a filmmaker's body of work is like such a joy to see that they've sort of built mm. up their talent over time and it's not just about delivering it in kind of one one medium it's about kind of revisiting it you know over decades and I always find that just kind of a bit of a, a balm to like know that and to see that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast Thank today you. um it was such a joy to have you here. Thank, Thank you so much Nicole it was lovely. Mm-hmm. 
thank you for downloading this episode of Best Girl Grip. You can find all my previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. If you like what you heard, please do leave a review, subscribe, tell your friends, let me know on Instagram at Best Girl Grip and I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, uh, have a great week. Bye.